Welcome to Stranger Bridgerland Podcast. True stories of the paranormal, ghosts, hauntings, cryptids, glitches, and more. Hello and welcome, guys. This is episode three. Yay. Yay. <laughs> We've made it to episode three. Uh, this one is going to be Stranger Cash Valley, which is where both of us grew up, oddly enough. Really? Really. You, you sure? I'm pretty positive as I've watched you grow up, it was in Cash Valley. Um, ah. For those of you that don't know, uh, I grew up in a house in Cash Valley that was uber haunted. It was very haunted. And that's what got me interested in the paranormal and into writing books and interviewing people and studying. So the the home I grew up in was in Hiram, mm-hmm. built in 1883. That's old. It's really old, yes. And so maybe it's one of the haunted, more haunted places in Cache Valley. There's a lot of haunted There's places. There's a lot of haunted places in Cache Valley. A lot of haunted places in Cache Valley. But uh, I myself experienced... Footsteps uh, on the stairs, the stair monster, which you have also experienced. Yes. You've heard the stair monster. And voices, yep. things moving, all kinds of strange things that went on in the, the house that I grew up in and your grandparents' house, which you have spent time in as well. <clears throat> and that's what got me started in the paranormal. And then me being in the paranormal got you started in the paranormal. and Pyramid! Yeah. It's a pyramids game that I started for you. No, just <laughs> But having grown up in Cache Valley, uh, I've gone through and uh, my you know my first book, which is just Stranger Bridgerland. Uh, Bridgerland is northern Utah, as we talked about, yes. where was uh, explored by Jim Bridger back in the early 1800s, and he helped to establish the north and, and tell the pioneers where to stay and where to go. Yeah. One of the trappers up here, and so they named it Bridgerland. Was this was the was the house you grew up in? One of the first houses in Cache Valley. It's not one of the first houses in Cache Valley. It's one of the first houses in Hiram uh, that was built. Eighteen eighty three. You know there were still quite a few um, cities going: Hiram, Wellsville, Logan, and some up north as well. But yeah, definitely one of the older homes. And but as I I gone and interviewed people and, and heard stories. I have a ton of stories from Cache Valley. And a lot of people from Cache Valley will know some of the standard ones. The um, Weeping Woman uh, yep. statue at Logan Cemetery, mm-hmm. where uh, if you supposedly, if you walk around the statue three times and ask her where her children are, where, she'll start crying. Where, where's your baby? Where's your baby or where's your children? Um, it's a linguist statue made for uh, a man made for his wife after she passed away. She had a lot of um, children. Her name was Amelia Conque- Conquest, and uh, she lost five children. And so um, that's why, you know, if you supposedly walk around at midnight and ask her where her children are, the statue starts weeping. I have several stories about that one that I've interviewed Why people. midnight, though? Why is it always, it's, like, in the middle of the night? There's nothing like, <clears throat> like, 3 in the morning. See, so that's actually 3 in the morning, 3 a.m. Yeah. So 3 in the morning is the... 
it's it's the time when things are supposedly the most active and people are always like why three in the morning well if you do your history um, supposedly through the Bible we know that evil things likes like to mock good things and and stuff like that supposedly Christ died on the cross at 3 p.m. so 3 a.m., which would be exact opposite of that. Yeah. Same thing with that supposedly with the cross and then an upside down cross is evil. It's the same kind of thing. 3 a.m. is evil because 3 p.m. was holy. Does that make sense? Now, I would like to point in, again, we're kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent, but the upside down cross was not originally an evil symbol. They use it a lot in movies and supposedly it's an evil symbol, but it's actually the sign of... One of the apostles was crucified upside down because when they asked him if that they were, they told him they were going to crucify him. I believe it was Peter or John. I can't remember which one. They said, and, but he said he he wasn't worthy enough to die exactly like Christ did, so he asked to be crucified upside down, mm-hmm. and so that became a symbol of that apostle. But then, for some reason, some people have taken it to be an upside down cross is um, an evil symbol, but it wasn't originally an evil symbol. We could, one of these times we're actually <laughs> going to do an entire podcast because I'm really big into this as well of, you know, where these symbolisms come from 666 and the upside down crucifix. We could, you know, we'll do an entire podcast about where those symbols came from, why people think they're evil, why some are evil, and, and we'll go through that. Another podcast I'd love to do as well, and we'll talk about later, is um, the uh, um, the games that kids play or people play, like um, mirror games to try and, you know, get... The pencil the, game. The pencil game, stuff like that. We'll talk about the history of those as well, which would be awesome. But I digress. Back to... <laughs> Uh, Stranger Bridgeland and Stranger Cash Valley. So in, of course, you know, like I said, we had the the Weeping Woman. Up Logan Canyon, there's a ton of creepy stories about Logan Canyon. There is Witch Hecata. Yes. And one of my books has a story about um, a gentleman. He was a teenager going to Logan High School. And him and his buddies went up there at Third Dam. Second Dam, Third Dam. In between the two. Well, it's it's actually right above the dam uh, is where the canyon is. They were having a bonfire there early in the morning, or early in the spring, I should say. And it was at night. And he went off into the woods to uh, use the facilities, so to speak. No, and no he saw stuff. a light coming down the canyon uh, towards him. Um, I want to make sure I get this canyon right. Let's see here. I'm going to look it up real quick. Okay, so I looked it up, and it is Spring Hollow, which is just above Third Dam. I couldn't couldn't remember why I couldn't think of that. Anyway, but Spring Hollow goes up, and um, that's where which Hecata lives up Logan Canyon. And he went off to use the facilities, and there's a light coming down the canyon, and uh, he looks, and it's somebody in a dark uh, cloak holding what looks like um, your your typical crystal ball that soothsayers use and stuff but only it's glowing like fire and she is accompanied by two dogs which is often what they say she's accompanied by her her black dogs 
and he sees her walking down the canyon towards them. He takes off, go grabs his friends, and they take off, jump in the truck, and, and um, but which Hecate is supposed to be up there above Third Dam at Spring Hollow? There's a very interesting story behind uh, which Hecate as well. There's actually several, but go ahead, there, of where she could have come from. Uh, wasn't one of them where she was a student at Utah State? She went out partying, and she drowned in the in the river because of, of uh, some teenage because of some college student teenagers, you know? Yeah, one of them is that she was a co-ed that went up with some boys, um, and uh, they murdered her up there. And uh, so they murdered her up there and drowned her her body. That's one theory of where which Hecate came from, though I'll, everything that I've looked into, it would have been in the 1920s or whatever, but there's no co-ed that's been killed as far as I know up the canyon. Though there has been a lot of murders up the Logan Canyon. And uh, the other one that comes from as well is connected to the nunnery, which is right up above there. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the nunnery is uh, was it was built as a, fa- a big family party place for summer, um, home. A summer home up there for a family. And then they eventually gave it to the Catholic Church who turned it into a nunnery up there for some of their nuns. And because, you know, you had the Catholic Church and this being predominantly Mormon, what generally happens when you have two religious groups like that? And there's a lot of miscommunication and a lot of mistrust. So... There was a lot of things said, you know, by the Mormon, um, by the Mormon people that mistrusted the the nuns up there. Talked about them drowning babies up there, and, and just all kinds of weird things. And one of them was one of the stories supposedly was the head nun up there was murdered by a drifter, and you know she was so evil that she turned into witch Hecata, which is also not collaborated whatsoever. Yeah, but along with the nunnery, which I I've had the opportunity to go up and and legally go to the nunnery, I want to point that out is very private, and if you go up there without permission, you will be arrested. Uh, but I was able to go up there. It's got a very creepy vibe. Ghost adventurers were able to go up and do a a an entire show at the nunnery up Logan Canyon. So a if you get a chance, a lot of misinformation during that as well. Um, some, yeah, some misinformation and some really, you know, interesting things happened to them. Uh, it was, it was kind of crazy. So that's definitely one that's up Logan Canyon and it's really creepy, but there's a lot of creepy things up Logan Canyon. Uh, in one of my books, I interviewed a, a gentleman, a friend of the family. He and one of his friends went up to view the Newswander comet, uh, because it was, it's, you know, you get away from light pollution and everything. And they were taking photos of that. So this would be two years ago in the summertime. And all of a sudden he noticed from across the street up the canyon a little ways a light on the hill. And he thought, oh, somebody with a flashlight. Well, as it got closer and closer down the hill towards them, he realized it was a ball of light. Uh, and it just came closer and closer down the canyon until they finally got really scared and, and left. But that's not unheard of, people being scared out of the canyon by balls of light. And there's a specific name for those. Will-o'-the-wisp is what they're called. And it goes along with the fae and um, fae creatures. Just 
balls of light that can't be associated with anything that that scare people off. That happens up Logan Canyon a lot. Yeah. One of my favorite stories, and there's a lot of actually, you come down the canyon and then you're at Utah State. And Utah State is really haunted. A lot of universities have haunted places, and Utah State is is you know no exception to that. Yeah. For one of my books and and for one of the stories, I interviewed a woman who worked at Old Main. Uh, and if you see the video or the picture for this episode, that is a picture of Old Main. It's got the A for Aggies on the top of it, which they light blue when the Aggies win. Well, it's one of the oldest buildings on campus. And she was hired as one of the cleaning people. And the cleaning people at the time would go in from 3 o'clock in the morning until around 8 when the students got there. They would clear the garbages, clean the bathrooms, do all of these things. And one of her first days on the job, she's in the basement walking towards where the lunchroom is. And coming towards her is a woman in an old-style long black dress, um, high collar, She's got an armful of books, and her hair is in a bun, but her hair is pulled out like she's really disheveled and, and in a hurry. And as she walks by her, the this lady nods and says hi to her, and she says hi. And after she passes her, she turns to look and see where this lady's going, and, you know, and she's gone. And she's completely disappeared. So she walks into the lunchroom and talks to some of the other people who've worked there a long time and said, I just saw this lady and she explains her old dress and armful of books. And they said, oh, you just met the librarian. And apparently she haunts the lower part of Old Main. She's always got an armful of books, always in a hurry, like she's late for class or she's got something going on. Yeah. And she's really polite, but she disappears after. Uh, on the second level, there's a ghost that likes to move things around a lot and make noises when you're trying to clean early in the morning. It's kind of creepy. The other one is, it's either on the second or third floor, and I'm not sure which one it is off the top of my head. I think it's the third. You think it's the third? I think so. Um, they just call him the man. Yeah. And um, he stands at the end of the hallway facing away from you. When you come around the corner, he's at the end of the hallway facing away from you. And he's got an old style suit on and um, graying hair. And he's just facing away from you. And as you walk towards him to ask him what he's doing or who he is, he walks around the corner really quick and disappears. You run over, he's gone. Uh, they just call him one of the old men on, on the third floor. And yeah. he never is facing towards you. He's always facing away from you, standing there. And when you approach him, he run, goes around the corner and, and disappears. So that's another one of the ghosts that's on Old Main as well. Yeah. Uh, Old Main is definitely one of the more haunted ones. There's a sorority on campus that's haunted by an, uh, a girl that died in a sorority. And if you end up getting her room, uh, you'll hear knocking on the window, things moving, and a lot of creepy things that go on at that sorority up there. And there's also stories of um, uh, a person who was supposed to be graduating, uh, a woman that was supposed to be graduating. She died the day of graduation. And um, whenever you hear the graduation bells at night, or if you, you, you sometimes will hear, hear the graduation bells and see her near Old Main running to graduation, but she never made it because she died the day of her graduation, which is really sad, but another creepy story. Yeah. of it 
so so you know campus is definitely a haunted place up uh, at utah state is is very haunted place as well um one of the other ones that's really fascinating here in Cache Valley is the Menden Witch Tree. And I have a really interesting story about that. I actually have several stories about the Witch Tree. But a little background, it's on the Wellsville Mountains near Menden. You drive up and uh, it's an old gnarly tree that has a fence around it. Yeah. So the history behind it, or the, I guess the folklore, says that there was a witch in Menden back when they first settled Menden and the people of Menden actually hung the witch at the witch tree because she was killing cattle and stuff. That's the folklore. Now the fact of the matter is there was never a woman caught. There was never a woman hung there as far as anybody can tell. Um, There's nothing written about that anymore. But there's a lot of weird things that go on at that tree. There's several um, people who have done investigations up there and got weird voices, EVPs. Like I said, I've interviewed several people who've had experiences up there. And one of the things that happens is when you go looking for trouble when you're a teenager, you generally you're find gonna it. You're going to find it. You're going to find that trouble. I am well aware. <laughs> one story that I have... I actually have not written yet, but will be in one of my upcoming books eventually. But I love it because it's it's one of the more creepy stories of the witch tree. Uh, I interviewed this woman when she was in, it was in the early 90s, late 80s. I have to go through my notes exactly. But her and her boyfriend had heard about the Menden witch tree and they wanted to go up and, and see all about it. So they drove up at dusk and they got there at dusk. And, you know, they did what teenagers do. They made out in their in her boyfriend's truck up there until dark and, you know, got out and looked around. And they were kind of really disrespectful, they said, yeah. when they went around and said, you know, oh, this isn't true. This isn't spooky. Whoever's here, you guys don't know what you're talking about. This isn't scary. And so they got back in the truck and they're like, oh, let's go home. And the truck wouldn't start. That yeah. was the first thing. Yeah. And she got really scared, and he's like, oh, it's it's nothing. And he got out and checked the truck and got back in, and it wouldn't start again. But then, all of a sudden, there was a creepy feeling that came over both of them. And there was it was dark, and there was a bang on the hood of his truck. And she looked up, and there is this shadow figure of a giant dog. It had the outline of a dog like a big dog kind of like a, a german shepherd black with really pointy ears and glowing red eyes and you could see its teeth like the size of our dog with pointy ears pointy ears big big dog but because of the outline she said it felt like it looked more like a shadow person than an, a real thing but it was it was physically enough there to make a bang when it jumped on it and it's staring into the cab of the truck. And the other thing is, it's a big truck. So, And it's a big animal, whatever it is. It's a big shadow creature. Yeah. Uh, along with, um, you know, dogmen or things of that nature that uh, you read about. There are these shadowy dog creatures. Some people say they look like Anubis, uh, the Egyptian god. Oh. But this was almost like a giant black... Um, 
a German Shepherd looking shadow dog with red eyes like and direwolf looking. Yeah, yeah, like huge. And it's staring into the window growling and she's screaming and he finally gets the truck started. And when the truck starts and the headlights come on, it vanishes off the top of his truck. And he throws it in reverse and comes tearing off the mountain. She said they almost crashed. She's in tears, totally upset. Um, when they get down to the city and under the street lights, he gets out and checks the top of his car, the top of his truck, and make sure there's no damage. And um, it felt like it was, he said there was a little indents, but no scratches or anything. Yeah. But it was really strange because it was like real, but not real at the same time. A large dog creature. Yeah. And she said it was because she felt like they were disrespectful when they were up there. And a lot of times I talk to people about the fact that when they're disrespectful and they're looking for trouble, trouble is out there and it will take any kind of form it wants to to scare people. Yes. And so that happens a lot up there. Not the dog. That's the only one I've heard of, of the, the dog jumping on the on anything or seeing a dog type creature. But a lot of times the vehicles won't start again up there and um, just really creepy, gnarly tree. I have one for Logan Canyon as well. Yeah. This is, um, there's a spot, at least I'm pretty sure it's Logan Canyon. There's a spot up there where you go around your car. That's actually at the same bridge where he saw which Hecata oh. uh, above Third Dam. So go ahead, you walk around the car three, three times. times, and you you and it will your car will start. You you take your keys out. Yeah. You lock your car. You put your keys on your your the hood of your car. You walk around the car three times and ask which Hecata to start your car, and supposedly she will start your car. Now, I've heard a lot of rumors of people, teenagers doing that yeah, uh, and it working and them for getting freaked out. And the other thing, too, if you do that or from what I've heard is if that happens, once you leave, you chased out of the canyon by a giant ball of light like we talked about, which the ball of light is also associated with which Hecata. Now, I have never been able to find a first person, talk to a first person individual that did that with their car but i heard that a lot as well growing up so yeah again logan canyon the wellsville mountains the wellsville mountains like we were you know we're talking about menden and the witch tree yep the wellsville mountains are are notorious for ufo sightings in cache valley yes now so uh one story that i collected about the wellsvilles and ufos was a gentleman that I talked to who he worked for the state sheds. They So in the winter, they he plowed the, the canyon and the cities. And then during the, during the summer, they worked on the roads for the state. And they were working in sardine. This was in the 50s. They were working sardine and working on um, the road between... Uh, the dry lake, the dry lake area, if you know uh, yeah. where that is. And they got there to start working in the morning and they noticed at the top of the hill, just towards the uh, northeast, yeah. uh, the hill is called Bobbit Shanty Hill. It's a, a hill just towards the northeast of dry lake up there. 
they saw what they thought was a weather balloon that had fallen um, on the top of the hill. It was just like a silver dome and it looked just like a half inflated uh, weather balloon. And they watched it through the day and then lunchtime came and this individual was like, ah, maybe I should walk up there and see, you know, what's going on. And he decided not to. So they went back to work and worked the rest of the day. Well, it got down near the end of the day and they all loaded up the trucks and headed towards the sheds. And the truck, the front truck stopped, slammed on his brakes. Everybody slammed on his brakes. And the, the trucks jumped out and they started pointing back. So he got out and looked. And this um, thing that they thought was a weather balloon started glowing orange and lifted off of the hill. And then they realized it was, um, you know, circular, your standard, almost UFO-shaped object. And it glided off the hill and then down to Dry Lake over the top of them. And it was glowing orange, glided across um, the top of them over Dry Lake to the Wellsvilles, and then boom, shot up and was gone, disappeared. Really? Yeah, really strange. But they all got to see it. It was super weird, and the individual that I interviewed that had that happen was glad he hadn't walked up there at lunch to see what it was, because who knows what had happened, but yeah, the Wellsvilles are, are full of UFO stories. I've talked to several people who at night have seen UFOs gliding across the Wellsvilles, shining their lights on the Wellsvilles for some reason. Uh, just all kinds of stories about UFOs in Cache Valley. Yeah. But in particular towards the Wellsville Mountains. Um, I can't remember which canyon it is, but isn't there like a, a phantom go- a phantom gold vein that appears? Oh, yeah. And so, then like disappears when you get your stuff? Or... So that's, the, that's one that's actually towards Manaway. It's in that little, the small area of Manaway. Yeah. There's, the story goes that one of the first settlers in Manaway was walking away from his farm in the foothills of Manaway and came across a gold vein. That would have been the biggest gold vein um, ever. You know, it was huge along the this little gully that he found. Super excited, went back to his house, uh, planning on going up there the next day and digging up, start digging up some of this gold. And he went up there and couldn't find it again. It, he couldn't find where it was. Dude, that sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah. Waking up, like, oh, I'll go be rich today and go to like, crap, where was it? Where was it? <laughs> and not be able to find it. Oddly enough, that happens a lot when it comes to gold. Gold will show up and then disappear. It's kind of a weird thing. It happens a lot. We talked about in the Uintas as well. But that was up in Manaway where um, supposedly there was a gold, there's a gold vein that some people have found. It's not, he's not the only one that supposedly have found it and lost it again. Whether it's paranormal or not, seems paranormal. If I ever found a gold vein, I would, you know, probably camp there. And until if we have until I knew one hundred percent where it was, or just you know take a rock and start getting a little bit, so you yeah. at least have some proof that you found something. Right, exactly. Uh, it's crazy, but that's that's a good one. Uh, some of the other ones in the valley are Smithfield Canyon is very haunted. There's a lot of creepy things that go on up Smithfield Canyon, Green Canyon. Yeah. In particular, the bottom part of Green Canyon is haunted by a ghost that is very territorial. Yes. If you camp in the wrong spot, 
he will let you know. <laughs> One of the stories, uh, I interviewed a woman. They went camping, a bunch of them. They were all in a youth group, older, in their 20s, going to Utah State. Yeah. And they all went camping there. And she woke up in the middle of the night with this gentleman in her tent, um, coming towards her and yelling at her that he they were camping in his spot. And she screamed and he disappeared. And they all kind of packed up and left when she told them what was going on. But apparently if you drive in the wrong spot, he'll show up in your in your vehicle yelling at you that you're in his camping spot. That's crazy. Yeah, really creepy. He's an old grizzled man in a flannel shirt. Almost looks like an old miner from what I understand. And very protective of his camp spot. And Maybe he found the gold there. Maybe he did. Maybe that's why he's protecting it. But So Green Canyon is very haunted. Like I talked about, Smithfield Canyon has some very creepy things that go on there. And Blacksmith. And Blacksmith in particular, Left Hand in Blacksmith yeah. Fork is extremely creepy. One story I got that is in particular really creepy. A gentleman and his son were coming down from, from driving around up there. And as they're driving back, all of a sudden the truck fe- it felt like he hit a big boulder. Just yeah. bang. And the truck comes to a stop. And he thought, oh, I, I've hit a big boulder and I didn't see it. Or like a big pothole. And like a, like yeah. A... But the truck stopped. It was, it was abrupt. So he left his son in the car and got out to go look at the front of the truck to see what the damage was. There's no damage. He looks around. There's no rocks. There's no nothing. And he's kind of weirded out. There's no pothole. And then all of a sudden, towards the river, he starts hearing kids' voices and kids laughing. And he's trying to figure out because they they hadn't seen anybody else up there all day. That's your cue to get in the truck. That's a go. And then looking around, it's the dusk. It's almost dark. Then there's more laughing from kids coming from up the hill. And the laughing and the kids talking are coming closer and closer to the track. Nope. So he jumps in and just takes off down there as fast as he can. Because, yeah, that's a nope right there. Yeah. But I'm okay. <laughs> there's no reason. It, like, it sounded like he, he, he hit a big boulder. No, no rock, no damage to the truck. Truck started up and the creepy kids. Have you ever had, have you ever heard any more stories like that? Just a lot of creepy things that happen, ghost stories up left hand. Well, no, 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 like kids laughing and like like that kind of stuff. So one of the big things that surprised me is um, in one of my first books, I interviewed a, a woman who had an experience with the black-eyed kids at the mall in the 80s uh, in Cache Valley. She'd gone to the movies, and when she came out, it was, it was wintertime. And she got in her car and started and was trying to warm it up because there was ice on the windshield. Nobody likes a cold car. Yeah, nobody likes a cold car. And it was late at night and there were some kids standing at the mall and she kind of ignored them. But then all of a sudden the kids were at the car. They were little kids and they wanted a ride. And she's like, she got this really creepy feeling and just freaked out. And the kids were very insistent that they needed to be invited into the car. And it was at that point she saw that the the kids had black eyes. She freaked out, drove home, you know, crying. Her roommates got up and consoled her. So I wrote this story and put it in one of my books. 
But what surprised me was how many people came forward after that to say that they had had experiences in Cache Valley with the Black Eyed Kids. It's very prevalent. Yeah. I interviewed a gentleman who, in the middle of the night, uh, he lives in Logan, there was a knock at the door and there were little kids wanting, they wanted, um, they wanted ketchup. That's what it was. They were looking for ketchup. And he's like, you guys, it's the middle of the night. Get out of here. And this guy's a big, you know, kind of hulking guy. And they were laughing and said, no, we want ketchup. And he thought it was a prank. But then he saw they had black eyes and slammed the door and got, you know, obviously you get frightened when just it's like that. Throw the ketchup just... at him. Just... And these kids are usually between 8 and 11 years old. And there's a younger one and an older one. You're approached by the younger one first. They need to permission to come into your car or into your into your house. And so, you know, it's amazing. I've interviewed a few people from Smithfield who's have experience with the Black Eyed Kids. A few out in Tremont that's had an experience with the Black Eyed Kids. I don't know if this one, like, it's like ghosts or anything like that. But wasn't there, like, some guy in Wellsville who, like, tried to scare his girlfriend? And went to the cemetery up there and like came across like this like, almost like a cult type thing. Yeah, so uh, that actually, that is my story. I'm going to come out and say, <laughs> I don't know if I've said that or not, but I wrote it up in my book as well. Uh, m- my girlfriend at the time lived in Tremont and it was the night before Halloween and we'd spent time in Hiram at my house and I was taking her home and it was midnight and we were going through Wellsville, and I wanted to scare her, and we were telling ghost stories, and I wanted to scare her. So I pulled into the cemetery in Smith or in Wellsville, and as we pulled into the cemetery, it's kind of up on a little bit of a hill. As I pulled into one of the lanes there, my headlights hit a whole bunch of guys in black robes with their heads covered, and there was a moving truck. And they all froze what they were doing. And I froze. And my girlfriend at the time grabbed my arm and was trying to get me to leave. And I'm like, I was kind of scared. And all of a sudden, they all in unison turned and started running towards us. And I threw the car in reverse and peeled out of the cemetery as quick as I could. And we drove into Wellsville where there was a um, a phone Um we didn't have cell phones back in that day. We're old. We didn't have cell phones back in my day. Back in my day. But uh got to the payphone and called um, the police department. And they sent out police. And they didn't find anything. There was no damage. There was no nothing. But apparently they had been doing that. Whoever they were had been spotted in other cemeteries all over Cache Valley that year leading up to... Halloween for some reason what they were doing who knows I often think if maybe it was uh, one of the uh, fraternities at Utah State that was doing some prank on somebody or doing something who knows but that's that that's the hopeful thing in me that hoping it wasn't something super nefarious going on but yeah it was really creepy that was in 92 back in back in 1992 Back in the day. Back in the war. Yeah, back in the war. But yeah, so lots of lots of creepy things that have gone on in Cash Valley and a lot of things that you know people talk about on Main Street. There's several places that are haunted, including the Ellen Eccles Theater that is haunted by a little girl in the basement uh, who got locked into a storeroom and died. 
Um, I have another question. She haunts it down there. Yeah. Like, why is it always, like, upstairs or downstairs that are absolutely terrifying? Never just, like, the main (laughs) floor. The main floor? I'm sure there's places that have main floors that are, like, super scary as well. That, uh, but... It is it's like the basement. Basements seem to be super creepy, just and like, attics. Su- Those seem to be super typical. <laughs> yeah, typically crazy places for sure. Now, I was gonna get into. I'll get into it a little bit, but I want to do an entire show on Bigfoot in Cache Valley because Bigfoot in Cache Valley is, you know, there's a lot of. Uh, stories about Bigfoot in Cache Valley. Me and you have even found tracks. We did find tracks up left hand. Yep. I don't uh, know no, where the pictures went though. I, I found the pictures. Oh, you did. Well, let me rephrase that. I did a little while ago find the pictures. Maybe we'll post them. The biggest thing was they were never, there was never anything defined enough to do um, a, uh, a, plaster cast yeah that was the only thing they just wore big tracks i don't know if you had to explain it because they didn't go through mud that makes a good outline track but it was on two feet huge prints going through don't we have to have them like right next to our rock hammer rock hammer yeah so you can see the sides they were around 14 inches 14 15 inches long and uh, up up left hand, where we actually saw those tracks, there's been a lot of Bigfoot sightings. I interviewed a gentleman who, him and his friends were camping up there, and uh, a Bigfoot started throwing rocks into the river and the, the beaver ponds by where they were camping, trying to scare them out of there, uh, making noises, running around, just being super noisy and, and trying to drive them out. So, you know, Bigfoot has definitely had a big impact in Cache Valley. There, a good friend of mine um, named John, he has a group, you can look it up, it's Cache Valley Bigfoot. He has a Bigfoot Society that, uh, and he's got a book out as well. I will post that book in the comments, or in the comments for this uh, episode. So you can look up his book, he's got great stories. He's got a new book coming out as well. Just stories about Bigfoot in Cache Valley. And so if you want to know about Bigfoot in Cache Valley, read um, John's books. So that's John Marshall. So look up John Marshall, um, Cache Valley Bigfoot. Check out his books. And like I say, it's got a lot of stories about Bigfoot. And I want to do an entire episode about Cache Valley Bigfoot as well. Because that in and of itself is an hour long discussion. Easily. Easily. Uh, But... You know, as for the rest of the paranormal, one story I want to mention before we go, which is one of my favorite stories, was from a gentleman I interviewed who was going on a hike up to um, Mount Naomi. Okay? (laughs) This is one of my favorite stories of all time that I've collected. He was going to go with a friend. His friend canceled. He decided to go on his own. He wanted to... It's not a super hard hike but he wanted to spend the night up there very steep though yep he went in august and there was a burn ban on which happens a lot in cash valley where you can't have campfires so he just took food that he could eat his bedroll his pack and leaves from tony grove gets a late start which was fine because he's spending the night gets up near uh, mount naomi and decides he's gonna camp there goes off the trail Sets up his bedroll, has his dinner, watches the stars, and reads his book. Puts his headlamp on and reads his book. He brought an old ratty um, book that he could 
you know, just read and goes to sleep. Well, around two, three o'clock in the morning, he wakes up and he's not sure what woke him up because he's a heavy sleeper and it takes a lot to wake him up. And he notices it's dead quiet up there. Now, at that elevation, there's not a lot of brush. It's mostly rock piles and old tall trees. Yeah. And he's as he's trying to figure out what woke him up, he sits up in bed and there's a whistle that starts. And he's trying to picture where this whistle, he can hear where it's coming from, but he's not sure. Doesn't sound like a bird, but birds don't whistle at night anyway, usually. And it almost sounds like it's trying to get his attention. So he's getting a little freaked out and he's slipping his shoes on to get ready to leave in case he needs to. And he gets hit in the chest with a rock. It's about the size of a quarter. And it wasn't hard. It wasn't like somebody hucked it at him hard, but it was kind of, again, to get his attention. Like, hey, over here. Hey, over here. Now, (laughs) at this point when he's telling me this story, I'm thinking Bigfoot. I'm like, he's gotten, he's had an encounter with Bigfoot because Bigfoot will throw rocks. They'll do whatever to try and drive you out, whistle sometimes at you. Yeah. That is not the case of what is going (laughs) on here. He, uh, the whistling starts again. And he's looking for his headlamp. And then he realizes, oh, it's still on my head. I fell asleep with it on my head. So he turns on the headlamp and looks towards where the whistling's coming from. And on this rock pile, about 15, 20 feet from him, is a creature. And it's green-gray in color. Mm -hmm. It has long, pointy ears. If it stood up completely, it would be between right around maybe four feet tall. And as he's, you know, long, skinny arms and legs, and as he's explaining this to me, the picture that I get in my head are the, if you watch Harry Potter, these are the the creatures that run the banks. They got pointy nose, pointy ears, long teeth, kind of, you know, mean looking. This yeah. is where I'm getting. And as he shines his light on it, he this creature puts his arm up to cover his eyes. And he's staring at this creature and he is going into shock because this is something that's out of your nightmares. This isn't something that's supposed to be real. Yeah. And it's got old ratty clothes, like handmade ratty clothes on. And he's staring at it and then he realizes that with one of its arms, one arm is over his eyes and the other arm is trying to hide something behind his back. And he looks and he realizes that this creature has his book in his hand. Uh-uh. And this no. creature has been close enough to steal the book from him. I'm, I'm, okay. And, I'm okay. And at this, the creature starts peering at him over his over his arm, and he said it had black eyes as well, and just a really creepy grin on his face. And he he's had it at this time. He's done. He throws his stuff into his bag. You know, grabs everything he can with his hands. Starts running towards the trail. Almost gets to the trail. Trips. Dumps everything. As he's gathering everything up again, the whistling starts again behind him. And he's just had it. Gets up, takes off, runs all the way down the trail, losing his stuff to his vehicle, throws his stuff in his vehicle, drives home. Now, he's not told hardly anybody this story because he, he up until that point, he didn't even believe in the paranormal or anything, you know. Yeah. And now he's come face to face with this creature and after I talked to him and I did some research, there is um, a creature called 
Pukwaji. I always say that wrong, so I apologize. Native American creature. They talk about these these creatures that live in the forest. They like to steal things from the they talk, the natives. Talk about they like to steal things. They they have bows and arrows and will shoot at you. They're mean, nasty little creatures that live there. But on top of that, what was funny is after I published that book, I had a woman email me, and she said that her experience was she was reading the book and she about died when she read that part because um, when she married her husband many years ago. He told her that he'd been elk hunting in that very same area and had seen one of these creatures, and she didn't believe him. She's like, yeah, you're full of it, whatever. And then when she read that story, it was exactly the same kind of creature that her husband had seen elk hunting in that area many years earlier. And so she even went and said she apologized to her husband because she didn't believe him, but now somebody else had corroborated that story. So that's one of my favorite ones. Because it's just so weird. Yeah. Well, the more weird, the better. But uh, I want, I just kind of want to wrap up and say, you know, there's a ton more stories too. We're going to do uh, an, an entire episode about Sasquatch in Cache Valley. And we're also going to do another episode about strange encounters in Cache Valley as well. Talk a little bit more about the Black Eyed Kids and um, some of the weird things that hunters have seen in in Cache Valley as Hunting well. Hunting in Cache Valley, you can there's a lot of good animals to hunt here, but it's just a lot of creepy stuff that goes on. A lot of creepy stuff. Definitely don't want to go alone for sure. Um well, that's like our, the platinum rule is don't go alone. So. Our, yeah, exactly. So, just real quick, I hope you guys have enjoyed this. If you have stories of your own, want to contact us, please email us, email us at uh Olson two four three Olson J two four three at gmail.com. Go to strangerbridgerland.com. You can find our our uh, website there and also a way to contact us. Uh, also find a way to look up the books, my books. I have five. Number six is coming this year. If you like strange stories, um, I would expect that you would like my books. I don't want to, you know, come out and say, Oh, you'll love my books because that's kind of weird. But you know, if you like strange stories, there's a lot of them in there that I've collected still working on that. If you have strange stories, please contact us. If you like this, please subscribe so that you can make sure to hear when our next episode is coming out. Our next episode, which will be coming out on Thursday is going to be about Skinwalkers. We're gonna dial it down. We're gonna delve into skinwalkers and some of the stranger things dealing with skinwalkers as well. So uh from Stranger Bridgerland, I am John. I am Colton. And we hope you have a good night. Bye. Thank you for joining us in the world of the paranormal. For more stories, visit strangerbridgerland.com.